Hello friends and welcome to the Bible and the Newspaper podcast. This is where we seek to offer space for thought. We will seek to find illustrations of the teaching of God's word from global news headlines. Often with the hustle and bustle of life we give a hasty look as best we can, we catch a headline but we ignore the detail and the details of the report. The result is that we miss the harvest of lessons and teachable moments. We'll be back in a moment. back and thank you for joining in on the podcast and listening to this podcast the bible and the newspaper in this episode we are going to focus on a current event that event is the the circumstances leading to the death of a US citizen and American citizen George Floyd an African American and the implications of that death the effects of that death uh, beyond the obvious effect of the loss of life and the the pain of family and friends of Mr Floyd today is June the 9th 2020 and today is the funeral of George Floyd and I want to bring to your attention a news report that was carried by CNN the family and close friends gathered in Houston on Tuesday which is today for the funeral of George Floyd two weeks after he was killed while in Minneapolis police custody. The private funeral is being held in Houston, Texas, where Mr. Floyd grew up and is to begin at midday central time, Tuesday, the 9th of June, at the Fountain of Praise Fountain of Praise Church. I watched as the hearse carrying Mr. Floyd's golden casket arrived Tuesday morning at the church. It was carried in by six men wearing masks. And the news report says as a row of police officers stood at attention. Report goes on to say that after the service, Mr. Floyd's body will be escorted by the Houston Police Department into Pierland's Houston Memorial Gardens. And his body will travel the last mile of the procession in a horse-drawn carriage. And he will be buried next to his mother, who Mr. Floyd called out for in his final moments. The service 
will be limited to 500 people. As social distancing restrictions are still in place. The pastor of the Fountain of Praise Church, Pastor Mia Wright, says, we celebrate a life that had its ups and downs as many lives do, but also a life that was connected to God and one that all people around the world have now connected to because of the tragedy and the trauma by which he passed away. The pastor goes on to say, she would hope and want to have a home-going celebration, but also we want to remember his name, George Floyd. The service will include multiple speakers, including civil rights leaders who will have a call to justice, a call for social reform, a call to justice. Important, a call to justice. The pastor goes on to say something very important in the report here. He says, it's so, and she says this, it's so important that we move forward from here from a place of healing and wholeness, because if we expect change to happen in our communities, I add in our country and in the world, we cannot come from anger and hurt and loss. We have to learn how to move as a whole unit. The report also gives us some information that the boxing champion Floyd Mayweather is handling all the expenses of Mr. Floyd's funeral. George Floyd's death by the hands of the Minneapolis police has sparked protests in the US and around the world. These protests have called for change in policing and law enforcement's relationship with black and brown communities. The report gives us a, a little history of Mr. Floyd's life. He was born in North Carolina, where hundreds of people lined up Saturday for a public viewing of his casket. Floyd graduated from Jack Yates High School in Houston in 1992, where he helped the football team win the state title. He also played basketball there. Before moving to Minneapolis, Mr. Floyd was known, well known in the Houston music scene, rapping with a group called Screwed Up Click. The Houston Mayor Sylvester Turner and the actor Jamie Foxx are among those expected to, to be at the funeral. Now, Mr. Floyd died May 25 after former police officer Derek Chauvin pressed his knee into Mr. Floyd's neck for eight minutes 
and 46 for 8 minutes and 46 seconds during the arrest Mr Chauvin the police officer has been fired and has been charged with second degree murder and three other officers on the scene were charged with aiding and abetting second degree murder and aiding and abetting second degree manslaughter The report also points out that Mr Floyd was a role model Floyd was a huge role model for a lot of people, his brother included. In fact, his brother, Phil, Phil Floyd, said he was the first person who everybody looked up to in our neighborhood because he was the first one to get a scholarship to go and play basketball or football when he wanted to. Floyd was also someone who had a beautiful soul. His younger brother Rodney said. He added if he was told he would have to sacrifice his life to bring the world together, knowing him, I know he would have he would have done it. The family undoubtedly still processing the death of George Floyd. And younger brother Rodney says it seems unreal because, you know, every day is like waiting on that phone call. I'm still calling his phone number. This is a sad, sad day for many, especially the Floyd family, George's family, George Floyd's family. And his death, tragic, unfortunate, evil, criminal, as many would describe it, has sparked a conversation, has rekindled a fire, a call for justice, equality, has put racism in the crosshairs of social movements, of churches, of the police departments, of the politicians. Eight minutes and 46 seconds was what it took for us to stare into our souls as individuals. Eight minutes and 46 seconds is too long a time. After years and years and decades, thousands if not millions of people fought and sacrificed, blood spilt in the pursuit of racial dominance. The dominance of one race, or one economic class, one tribal group over the other has sacrificed millions of lives, has created complete social upheaval and as a Christian as a Christian speaking to you as a fellow Christian can we allow the events that took place in 8 minutes and 46 seconds 
can we allow that event, the death of Mr. Floyd with the knee of a white police officer in his neck? Can we allow that these moments, this eight minute and 46 sec seconds to flirt away without making a resolution for change, purposely in our hearts to change our view of the other? Eight minutes and 46 seconds. The loss of a man's life at the hand of another man. The difference between these two men, their skin color. Can we lose these moments and not peer into our souls? And determine that we are going to change and change begins with me. We'll be right back. And welcome back. This episode is... about the, the death of George Floyd while in the Minneapolis Police Department's custody on May 25. And I want to lead this segment, I'm going to call the segment my commentary. Give my commentary before we introduce God's word around the issue of social justice and what our role as Christians as the church ought to be but before I do so I'd like to add context to my commentary and so I'm going to play a short recording this recording was taken by a bystander on that day when Mr. Floyd was on the floor under the knee of the police officer. The bystander recorded a video of the entire scene. But I want to warn you, right here, right now, there's explicit and strong language. Understand the moment. Emotions were high, anxieties were high. But I want you to capture the essence, the I want the moment to grab you as you listen to the language, the emotion being expressed, the sentiments being shared. For us to understand that this is a sin problem. It's not a color problem, but a sin problem. It's a heart issue. It exposes our hearts. And so I'm going to play the recording. Just a warning. There's explicit language. So if there are children listening to this, maybe you should pause it for a moment from this point forth and wait to listen to it on your own. But I trust that you have a strong constitution. So here's the recording. 
Listening to that recording was pretty difficult for me and I'm sure for you. The video from which the recording was taken was shot by a young lady. She was a, a passerby who came on the scene of a white police officer with his knee in the back of the neck of a black man who was laid out on the road surface. I can imagine the emotion and the language betrays that emotion that there was anger, there was anxiety, more for the well-being of the man and the outrage that one human being can do such great evil to another human being. Now the issue of racism and tribalism uh, basically as old as the world and the earth itself but these eight minutes and 46 seconds that it took for a man to lose his life under the knee direct pressure and knee of another man these eight minutes and 46 seconds has forced you and I has forced governments has galvanized the world protests across the United States and across the world has brought men and women of all shapes, sizes, hues, colors, affiliations to recognize that first and foremost we are brothers. We are brothers and we are sisters. Never before has 
a movement outside of the civil rights movement and any other liberation movements. Never before have people from across the world and across the globe come together and been galvanized to action to say once and for all it is finished. Never before has the church had have to confront its racism. And so the purpose of the podcast today is for to give you and I uh, a moment, uh, the space to think, to, 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 to think of what your response ought to be from this day forth. Because those eight minutes and 46 sec- sec- seconds has changed my concept of that which is right, that which is just. I want to tell you what I've learned from the eight minutes and 46 seconds. What I've learned is that the distinction between good and evil over centuries, over years, over decades, over my lifetime has constantly been blurred. But it is that distinction between good and evil that gives me, that gives you a sense of what our relationship with one another should be. You see, the humanistic proposition that all men are equal is preposterous, patently so. Should it not be that all men are brothers? And in the light of the Christian revelation in the light of God's word. The awareness that men and women, the human race, is one family, men being brothers, is a reality. And it is only through our awareness that we belong to the family of God, that we are brothers and sisters, can can our relationship with each other be all the things we want it to be, loving and not hating. Right here in the United States, There's a statement that frames the moral conscience of this nation. Listen to it. We declare these truths to be self-evident. What does self-evident mean? To be undeniable. And what is the truth? that are undeniable and self-evidence. Yet it is that all men, all men are created equal. With the inalienable, inalienable rights. With inalienable rights. The, 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 the phrase inalienable rights is a moral term 
that in the framing of the moral conscience of the United States is hinged on a creative act. That all men are created by a father who is God and therefore by virtue of our creation you and I become brothers and sisters and because we pledge allegiance to God and his word we have a sense of that which is good and evil and when we have a sense of that which is good and evil it, 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 it helps us frame our relationships with one another. Have we lost something over the ages that makes one race feel they are more dominant than the other? It was heartwarming to attend a, a community church gathering where men and women from the surrounding neighborhoods, black and white and Asian and Indian, regardless of their political affiliation, came together to pray where I heard white church leaders confess the racism that has been embedded in the church. It, was, it, it would appear that the world, led by 8 minutes and 46 seconds of another brother's suffering, has come to itself to recognize the radical evilness of evil. The domination of one race over another, the domination of one tribe over another has left us with nothing but carnage, but blood, but pain, but suffering, but poverty. It has not improved the plight even of those who are the dominant or perceive themselves to be dominant. We all have to recognize that we have a responsibility to each other because the human race is a family and you are my brother and my sister. That we have been created equal. We may occupy different stations in life. We may have a different, a different economic standing. We may have different educational levels. We may have access and this is important, we may have access to resources at different levels and in different quantities, but when it comes down to the bare brass, when we stand naked, when we lie on a cold slab and death has visited us, we are nothing but human beings. When we look at each other, when we see each other, when we speak and talk to each other, we should do so with the full understanding that we are brothers and sisters. And God is our Father. It should change the way we treat each other. It should melt the walls of separation that have been built to separate the races, the tribes, and the clans. We are brothers and sisters. Maybe America, together with the world, has confronted, has been confronted by our, by our deeds. In the death of Mr. Floyd, in the murder of Mr. Floyd, in the murder of all the others 
who have been killed by white police officers and it doesn't only apply here to the United States. I know of the killings in Matabele land in Zimbabwe where 40,000 people were killed simply because they belonged to a, 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 the Ndebele tribe or the the, 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 the Hutu Tutsi conflict in Rwanda where 800,000 people were killed, murdered in a hundred days or I refer back to the, the killing fields of Cambodia where a million people were were killed during the Pol Pot regime. I can talk about the Holocaust, where six million of our Jewish brothers and sisters were killed in, 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 by, by Hitler's Third Reich. We can look over history to, to just come to the understanding that viewing each other differently, viewing each other uh, as if we are not brothers or sis and sisters, that we are not interconnected, that we haven't been created equal by God Almighty, that God does not see color or tribe, but sees the heart. Unless we come to that understanding, we haven't benefited one iota, but have sown destruction and pain and hurt and have spilt blood for centuries, for decades. Unless we come to the understanding that our acts and our current course is futile, <coughs> we will eventually annihilate ourselves. But what does the Bible say we should do? What is the Bible's teaching on justice because that's where it is justice this is a social justice issue where we're struggling for it to eradicate poverty give people equal access to natural resources to health care what should our attitude be does our concept of justice and equity need to be addressed and changed we'll be right back to see what the Bible says thank you for hanging in there we're back now it's time to look at the Bible and what the Bible says justice first and foremost in the context of what I'd like to term social justice what should the Christian what should you and I's view be what should our anchor of, of justice be where should we place it and what do we learn from God's Word because you see the killing of mr. Floyd uh, the, the killing of Rwandese Cambodians Jews came from the misplaced notion that one tribe, one race can dominate another, one tribe can dominate another. It also comes from a place of a distorted sense of justice. And I think that if we can set right what the Bible and God expects of us in terms of justice and how we are to deal with each other, how we are to engage the world around us and involve ourselves 
with the pressing issues of our times having a sense of what justice is from god's from god's perspective is important and so to begin with i'm going to say this justice in the bible is framed as primary justice that is justice in the relationship between people it's living right referred to as living justly in the bible or righteous living is living right if we you and i are able to live right our relationship the relationship between you and i is well founded full of is with respect and 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 love and understanding and acceptance and encouragement and embracing and and we embracing of each other that is justice primary justice the second concept in the scriptures is what is called rectifying justice that is when the human relationship when human relationships have fallen apart when they have broken down and there has been an infraction an offense in a human relationship how then do we restore it rectifying justice we rectify the breach of primary justice and the rectifying of primary justice is a process much like the courts of law being able to adjudicate between two contesting parties being able to pass a just judgment through fair proceedings so the bible introduces justice in in two ways primary justice and rectifying justice so as an example of rectifying justice i want to take you to a scripture text Micah 6 verse 8 and turn with me in your bible to Micah 6 verse 8 and it reads here he has shown you o man what is good and what does the lord require of you but to do justly meshvat to do justly to love mercy and to walk humbly with your god the word interpreted for as justly is the word that uh, denotes a fair proceedings where one is acquitted or convicted based on the facts of the case but regardless of that individual station color tribe religious affiliation it's fairness meaning two people perhaps of different races who have committed the same offense should get the same punishment in recent weeks we hear right here in the united states again of a black lady a black woman who lied to the authorities uh, as to where she lived she distorted she misrepresented rather Her, her residential address so that she could get her child into a good school in another neighborhood she didn't quite live in the neighborhood that the school was was situated so she forged lied about her address so that the child can get in 
to a better school. When that was found out by the authorities, this black lady was sentenced to five years in prison, five or six years in prison. And then we've heard recently of uh, the movie stars. Um, uh, one of them is a lady who, who paid someone else to sit a college entrance exam for her daughter. She paid somebody else to pretend to be her daughter and go and write an exam because she knew that her daughter wasn't ready. She paid somebody to take an exam for her daughter. When that was found out by the FBI, that lady got less than a month or two in jail. She was white. Now, looking at both these cases from the Christian's perspective, even though both these women were trying to do something that was good for their children, one wanted a good a formative or foundation education for their child, the other wanted a good their child to get into a good university, both for the good of their children, they lied to the authorities. One lied about the residential address, the other lied by sending, paying somebody to sit and pretend to be her daughter and sit the exam. They both lied for the good of uh, the, their, their children. But because they are both lied, don't you think they should, they should have gotten the same sentence? I'm not saying they should have both gotten five years or they should, should have both gotten less than two months, but the sentencing ought to have been fair. Micah 6.8 says that Christians must be fair in their assessment of each other, of each other's cases, of each other's situations. Be fair. Look at the facts and don't regard the person's race. Don't regard the person's economic station in life. Don't regard the, the, the person's affiliations. Be fair and render a fair judgment. And that's what we as Christians should pursue. Not a weighted or one-sided view of justice. But based on the facts, be fair. Another place that is used is in Malachi 2 verse 17, where rectifying justice is used. And I want to read this to you. You have wearied the Lord with your words, yet you say, in what way have we wearied him? In that you say, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord and delights in them, or where is the God of justice? Whenever we look at a situation like the one we just witnessed on May 25, the killing of George Floyd, and we see that kind of evil, and we look at the other cases where police officers uh, used excessive force and, and killed an individual and we've asserted it to be evil and they have been charged and gone to court and have been acquitted, I remember the Trayvon Martin case where uh, Mr. Zimmerman was acquitted after stalking the young man who had just gone off to the store to get some Skittles. And Mr. Zimmerman thought he was a thief and followed him and eventually killed him. And, he, and Mr. Zimmerman got off. There was a lot of outrage. And we attempted to ask, so do, is evil rewarded with good? Does, does Is evil good in the sight of the Lord? Where is the God of justice? God, why do you allow bad things to happen to good people. Where is your justice, God? The word justice here, again, is that rectifying justice. That we are saying to God, God, why aren't you able to see evil for what evil is and reward evil with what evil deserves? Rectifying justice. Do it fairly. View the facts. 
where the evidence and pass judgment without respect to our persons. So I've dealt with um, rectifying justice. Then I want to deal again with an incident that is more pertinent to us that's in the book of Acts 10, Acts 10 uh, verse 34. Acts 10 verse Acts 10 verse 34. Here we have Peter, and the church at that time was having an issue, a race issue. The church was having a racism problem. The Jews did not believe that Gentiles, the non-Jews, should have received the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they had. <laughs> the Holy Spirit was poured on the Gentiles, and the brethren were a little agitated. And so they confronted Peter to ask, how can you have hung out with those people? How could you have hung out with the Gentiles? These people were uncircumcised. You see, the church experiences racism just today, just as the church, the apostolic church faced. But there ought to be a response for men and women who are filled with the Holy Spirit. One that is driven by God's sense of justice. And Peter, Peter says to them here, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth I perceive that God shows no partiality. The King, the New King James Version says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Now I've given you Micah 6 verse 8 and Malachi 2 verse 17. That's rectifying justice. Here we have the word justice, the, word, the, 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 the primary justice, where it says God is no respecter of persons. God's view of you and I, he views us as his children. He sees no color. He sees our hearts. And therefore, he desires that each individual, regardless of race, creed, color, must receive the gospel. He is not a respecter of persons. He has established a relationship with his creation and his children, you and I. And as such, we must have a just, a right living, a rightly couched relationship with other people because God loves me and he, I have relationship with him. I should have relationship with you that reflects that I am no respecter of your color. I'm no respecter of your tribe. I'm no respecter of your social or economic status. I have a relationship with you. This is the primary justice. And you know what? As the gospel works through our lives, the change is felt in society. It's for the good of society. And so here we see... On one hand, rectifying justice, judging fairly, giving the same verdict for the same offense, irrespective of who the person is, what the color, race of the person is. And on the other hand, Jesus came to and made sure that I, a Gentile, received the gospel. And he has a relationship with me and requires me to have a relationship with others that bears the same characteristics of his relationship with me. Whenever rectifying justice, whenever rectifying justice and primary justice meet, 
when they are together, they give us a full picture. And this full picture is in Amos. Amos 5, and I'm going to read from verse 23. Amos is the prophet of social justice. If any Christian out there, if you believe that Christians should not get involved with social issues, you're sorely mistaken. Because here the prophet Amos is, a, is the, one of the prophets that took on the, the social inequities of his day. We are encouraged to do so, take on the social injustices of our day, but do so with fairness. We must be no respecter of person. We must view things righteously and live righteously. And the concept of rectifying justice and primary justice comes together in Micah 5. And I'm going to begin at verse 23. And it reads, Take away from me the noise of your songs, for I hear not the melody of your stringed instruments. But let justice run down like water. Let rectifying justice, the justice that judges people fairly regardless of their skin color, their tribe, their religious affiliations, the justice that is no respecter of persons, let that justice run down like water and righteousness. Remember I said righteousness, the word used for righteousness is right living, the the, the primary justice, let righteousness, let right living like a mighty like a mighty stream, let like a mighty scream stream. Basically, I'm so excited at this point. Basically, we must judge fairly, and let that permeate our lives. No respect of person, showing no partiality. But then, let also our living right, our relationship with each other, our perceptions of each other, our treatment of each other. Be fair, simply because we are children of God, brothers and sisters, and that we have a connection to Him. And if we have a connection to Him that is wholesome, our connection with others on the horizontal plane will be fantastic. And there may not be any need for rectifying justice. But if there is the need for rectifying justice, we must be able to pass judgment and do justice Pass judgment fairly, but no, with being, with paying no respect to who an individual is or what their color is. So we've come to the to the end of the podcast. I don't know what you've learned. I'll tell you what I've learned. What I've learned is that we must deal fairly with each other. I've learned that I must look at a situation squarely, consider the facts, and prayerfully pass a judgment, irrespective of who it is. My husband, my wife, my children, your husband, your wife, whether the people from of my race or not, I must be able to look at a situation and judge fairly. But also, I must have a good relationship with others. I must view others as my brother, and my sister not their color you see folks at the end of the day you are not a soul you have a soul and you are a soul 
who has a body. You are not a soul, you have a soul. And your soul has a body. So show some soul. Go forth today and exercise equitable justice. Be fair, show no partiality. Take no heed of a man's skin color, his tribe, his economic and social standing. Look at him as a brother, a child of God. And I pray that the world will become a better place, that you will better reflect the character of Christ. Until the next time, this is Ralph with the Bible and the newspaper. Hello everyone, this is Ralph and thank you for listening to this episode of the Bible and the newspaper podcast. Remember to share the link to the podcast with your family and friends. And I said to you the last at the end of the last episode that I'll, I was working on getting us on Facebook and Twitter. Well, Facebook and Twitter up and live. On Facebook, just search for the Bible and the newspaper. Newspaper, the Bible and the newspaper on Facebook and the Bible and the newspaper on Twitter. Also, we, this podcast, thank the Lord and thank you for your support and your listenership. We're now on, our podcast can be found on Google Podcasts, can be found on Breaker, can be found on Radio Public, can be found on Spotify, and right here on Anchor. So, search for us, Google Podcast, Spotify, Breaker, Radio Public, Anchor, and share the podcast. And remember, go over to Facebook, like our page. In time, I'll be broadcasting the recording of the podcast live. So you not only can get the podcast as an audio file, but you'll also be able to have some film, some video. But that's in time to come. Keep praying. And also, share the page. Share the podcast. Thank you for listening. God bless you.